And we are live. We are back with the fifth episode of our Peaky Podcast of Season 1 of, I have much to say again, the Peaky Blinders Podcast <laughs> on the Story Archives Network here. I'm Mario alongside... Zachary. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. What's up, Zach? Zach, I take back my words from the last episode. <laughs> take it back. I said this was my least favorite episode, maybe in all of Peaky Blinders. I take it completely back. I forgot how good this episode was. Yeah, when you started talking about it, uh, well, the last episode, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really remember much of that. It must not be good. And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what he was talking about. This is actually pretty good. So The only thing that I will say that stays consistent here is that I still cannot stand uh, Shelby Sr., Arthur Shelby Sr. is like, well, he's literal walking cancer, he's that guy. a prick. Like, I mean... Is he is he in Sons of Anarchy? You know, he you looks like it. Yeah. I I can look okay. it up. Yeah, I think I think he is. Let's look that up. Um, we need a fake, since we haven't made it yet, Zach, because mm-hmm. we're not like a famous podcast or anything mm-hmm. like that. We don't have an assistant that looks stuff up for us that or anything like that. Awesome. So can we have an imaginary assistant and then you chime in like he can't talk? Yeah, I'll just be like, uh, yeah, so-and-so just, uh, just told me that... Uh, you know, his name will be Arthur. Actors. His name will be Arthur. Arthur, actually Jimmy. What do you think, Jimmy? Jimmy, uh, Jimmy could work. I like Jimmy. Jimmy could his work. Name's Jimmy. I like Jimmy. All right. Well, anyway, right. anyways, Arthur Arthur Senior is played by a guy named Tommy Flanagan, who is Philip Telford in Sons of Anarchy. Okay, I knew he was in Sons of Anarchy. Although I haven't watched it, my dad's a big fan. But uh, I I personally haven't watched all in. of it. I watched a f- little bit of it, like wi- like literally yeah. in like 2010, because my cousin watched it all the time. Yeah, but it it was pretty decent from what I remember. I thought you had like a fantasy about being a biker, like an outlaw biker. That was that was like not a thing. Not a fantasy. Now I just I want to get an Indian motorcycle, the bobber scout oh, yeah. at some or scout bobber at some point. Yeah, I, re- I recall something about like a drug racket and you being like a, a biker, but whatever. No, That's no, no. That that was point. that was like 10 years ago. It wasn't a fantasy. Oh, oh, shit. All right. Well, uh, let's get let's get started with this episode, then. <laughs> I was just joking with somebody today because they, they uh, I can't even remember what they said. They're like, I thought they said, oh, you're a strangler. I'm like, no, but it's been a while since I've killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> How does that happen? Like, what is the context of that conversation? Well, they didn't actually say strangler. I just thought I heard them say strangler or something along those lines but they were just like uh congratulating me on something that i had said because it gave them an idea and they're like oh thanks like oh yeah you had a you had an american psycho moment when he's talking about mergers and acquisitions yeah you've never seen that movie but somebody who out there has american psycho they'll laugh i've seen american they'll they'll chuckle they'll chuckle at that joke all right so Episode 5 opens up with Tommy visiting a peculiar grave of a man whose name I do not recognize. Daniel, Daniel Owen. Owen. I didn't recognize it either. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I should have for some reason, I feel yeah, like, but yeah. I didn't. Well, but the way he's acting in this scene immediately, I kind of knew the direction this was going in. Because he's looking around as if somebody's watching him. And well, so he's, he's immediately the assumptions come. Him, right? Yeah, but here particularly he is alone. So yeah. I I have a feeling that the grave is the site for the guns. That's my, that was my initial impression. All right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, we get a look pretty much of what's going on with everybody in the in the entryway. And we see Polly bringing a care package to Ada and her child. 
in a very dingy, cold room. You can see just how cold it is. Even the lighting's kind of like cold and bluish. It's and so it's really dark. It does feel cold. Yeah, she's she's living in complete uh, poverty and just tr- struggling to take care of this baby alone. Pretty much just out of her own code of ethics. But um, I don't think she can last that long until she does something to uh, support her child. Because we get the next look at Freddy, and he's oh, he's beat pretty the much crap. bloody and battered in prison. Yeah. Yeah, he's not looking too get, hot. Yeah, you get the sense here that Paulie's needed more than ever in, in Ada's life at this point. Yeah. You know, also in this episode, you kind of see this resentment towards Tommy on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. It's not. It feels like they're taking the Freddy thing and they're just willingly choosing not to believe Tommy. Because really, yeah. how he hasn't really shown to be disloyal at any point in season one. So it not just seems family. to be like... Not yeah. to family. Yeah, to family or friends. I mean, look what he does with Danny Wisbang. With That's the sheep's true. Brains, right? That's true. So he's dealing with the scorn and resentment, and Polly's just refusing to believe him. So I think it's kind of playing out. Their frustrations with Tommy mm-hmm. and the lead he's taken, it's, it's playing out, and they're really just stretching this shit out, you know? Yeah. We get a look at the new relationship with Grace and Tommy way more in this episode. It's like the first episode that actually delves deeper into that. And mm-hmm. we actually see a side of Tommy where he is confiding in Grace with things that he's not even telling his family. Yeah. Such as when he writes that Black Star in the diary system that Grace has going mm-hmm. and tells her that that's Black Star Day, the day that they're, they're going to take, take out him. Kimber and his men. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, speaking of Grace in this episode, you know, like I've always been saying up to this point, I've never been a fan of Grace and I, I did not like her. This is, it's in this episode that, that, my, that my opinion begins to change. Yeah. And I, I like towards the end of this episode, I actually enjoy her character a lot more. I won't, I won't get into why. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll hear yeah. about that a little later. Maybe because this is my third rewatch of, um, of Peaky Blinders, or I think it's my third rewatch of Peaky Blinders. But I'm noticing something from Tommy here where he says his family hates him because Grace asks, you know, did you tell your family about Black Black Star Day or whatever it's mm-hmm. called? Um, why would I tell and he him? says, Why would I tell my family? They all hate me. Yeah. So Tommy's kind of playing the pity card here. But in reality, I think Tommy's getting to a place in his life where he realizes that that he's not going to be able to have a closeness Mm -hmm. with anyone in his family the way he's going to be able to have a closeness with Grace, for example. Mm -hmm. Right? Or a love interest in general. Because everybody has their different agendas. You're seeing the way that they're stretching this thing out. And you see in this next scene with Arthur and John going to this fighting ring where John is resentful of his brother when we're just coming off of an episode where he admits to uh just pretty much wanting to make his brother proud yeah granted i understand why john would be a little bit resentful having been arranged a marriage but (laughs) esme's a looker so i don't you know i mean he seemed pretty happy at the end of the episode so i don't know what he's crying about yeah um where are john's kids in this episode are they anywhere in sight it's a great question i haven't seen any of his four I'm sure they're lovely yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, the John and Arthur are showing up to this illegal fighting ring and pretty much coming to get their piece for the for the Peaky Blinders. But uh, what they don't expect to happen is running into their father, who's very coincidentally placed inside of this fighting ring and mm-hmm. you know wrecking havoc on everybody. Uh, there's already a focus with Arthur and his love for his dad because of just the the shots. The close-up shots of his eyes looking at him. Yeah. He's named after the man. Yeah, I was going to say, his, his dad's name yeah. is the same. It's Arthur Shelby yeah. Sr., but, you know. Yeah. 
tell me the actor who's who plays their father isn't a great you know casting just he's he's, oh, he's just great. so grizzled looking he's got yeah. the scars across his mouth like it's just a he's an intimidating guy he is and i mean he's been in a lot of stuff yeah well, he, you kind of wish that he had kind of a more so. present uh role on the show you know yeah sorry what were you gonna say no I was, I was just saying he was also in braveheart a while back too so i mean he he's like oh, got this yeah. warrior fighter sort of look going on too yeah you don't want to uh, you don't well, want to mess with him definitely not but um after the fighting ring he ends up they invite him back to the house for a meal and he's received well by arthur arthur's trying to kind of smooth the rough waters over with that the rest of the family has you see Polly scoff when he when he's praying over his meal and you see john <laughs> pretty much protecting finn from from his dad and uh, they essentially break the news to the father that Arthur's actually not the boss of the family. It's it's Tommy, and uh, that's who walks in last in this scene and immediately tries to kick out his dad. And you kind of like, I'm with Tommy and John in the scene, but yeah. you know, you you have to have some empathy for Arthur, where Tommy's talking about, you know, we needed you ten years ago and you walked out on us, and now you're back. Is he's clearly back. It's a very convenient timing that they just got their legal gambling license mm-hmm. and uh, or bookmaking license, and now uh, he's essentially just sh- pops back up out of the blue. Yeah, you know? it's it's uh, interesting timing. I wonder how long you he, notice- if he was even here that long, or I don't know. Yeah, well, do you notice that he really only tries to make a play at Arthur and Finn? Because I mean, he he's you know he kind of rubs fit and Finn said, "Yo, they're both like the weakest minded of the two, of the three. Yeah, but Arthur does have his strengths where John has his weaknesses. Where Arthur is more loyal than John is in a sense, right? Yeah, uh, he stick. He's the only one sticking up for Tommy in this whole bit with Freddie Thorne. Mm-hmm. And Arthur, I think everybody can agree. Arthur knows that Tommy is strong where he's weak, and he's strong where Tommy's weak. You know." Yeah, I mean, they do make a good pair. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. going to deny that. Yeah. Anyways, we have uh, we have Arthur walking into the garrison, you know, grabbing some money, talking to Grace here. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a uh, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't mind having a little place I can run into and just you know grab a drink off my shelves, grab some cash, yeah, and walk fantastic, out. Yeah, it's fantastic. Right? Yeah, it's phenomenal. <laughs> I still the think we should open like up that? our own. Yeah, we should open up our own bar or something like this at some point. Yeah, I'm down. Let's yeah. do it. Let's call it the Garrison. I, it would be a hit if you saw if you call it the Garrison. Yeah, you call it the Garrison, well, and then you sell drinks named after the actors or the that would be characters. Great. Right? That'd be great. It's the Tommy Shelby. Shelby. <laughs> yeah, Tommy Shelby. The Shelby Company Limited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you see uh, Arthur, you kind of see the plot already taking place with his dad mm-hmm. where he's going to take some money from the register, and you know it's for him. But um, Arthur does another kind of like loose-lipped moment with Grace. He has another one of those here where he's he lets it slip that um, the person that they're sending 10 pounds a week to in London is Danny Wisbang. Yeah. And he pretty much, you know, tells Grace that, yeah, he's not dead. And that grave that Tommy visits is not, uh, there's no there's no body in there. Or at least it's not the body of Danny Wisbang. Mm-hmm. So Grace continues to prod with questions of then who is in there. And Arthur uh, pretty much tells her to just get her nose out of where it doesn't belong and gives her some money to shut up. Yeah. Don't you think, I mean... 
I guess Arthur at this point kind of just trusts Grace, but it's so blind. It's just the trust is so blind well, for their type of operation. And considering the weight of what would happen if those I, weapons are found, I because agree. at this point it's kind of like, you know, you're 85% sure the weapons are there. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I feel like I've been saying since episode one, like it, it's not the only one that really surprises me out of this. Like, I don't want to say false sense of trust or anything, but it's just too easy, right? It's it's Tommy. Like, I, I've always felt like he's just being too foolish. Like, Arthur, he's just, he's kind of thick. He's not he's not very bright. It, not at this point in here, not with what we've seen. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Like, to me, it's not out of character for him. He's, he, he's not thinking through things. He's not a leader or a strategic person. Well, he's not a leader in the sense of, like, you know, a strategic... Uh, sort of leader Tommy on the other hand who's all about strategy right you know he's always thinking through he's always trying to be like two three four steps ahead of the other guy I just like I don't feel like he should have jumped to trusting her so quickly you know she has taken some you know she has kind of proven herself in ways you know she continues to prove herself in ways but um, man, is you, know, you fall for a pretty woman, and that's it, man. That's yeah. it. All your strategy goes out the window, even for Tommy Shelby. Apparently. <laughs> so, um, where did we leave off here? We have Arthur heading off to go give money to his deadbeat dad, and Grace being nosy, nosy sleuth <laughs> who goes to the <laughs> who goes to the grave of Daniel Owen and. She knows. She knows the guns are here. That's that's pretty much the gist of this scene. You know, it's a really cheap looking grave when compared to everything. It is else. right, it's, and it's also like, very small looking. Yeah, it sticks. Right? It's it's a yeah. it's a cross made out of wood. Everything else is stone and nice. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Arthur meets uh, Arthur Senior at a at a bar where that's Finn the, Finn just happens to be. Why is Finn I, here? Another great scene? question. Right. This is this is where they uh, they fight here. It, it's the why uh, fighting earth ring. Would they allow, why would they allow Finn to be here in this? In this, it's like an illegal underground fighting ring with beer. I mean, over I'm under sure is I'd Finn ten? Is he ten years old? I don't know. Let's let's um, <clears throat> let's ask Jimmy. Because the dad, yeah, Jimmy, uh, look up if Finn is ten years old here. Um, I'm really just wondering because if the dad left ten years ago, and that would make Finn over 10 years old right because he would have had to have at least impregnated his wife before then right so anyways so jimmy's in age theories i mean jim is telling me right now that um finn is 11 years old in uh in the first season yeah i I mean it's still a little still a little young for uh you know drinking and illegal fighting he looks really little man like i think the casting here is completely off if he's supposed to be be 11 i i agree 11 i was like i mean i'm taller than the average but i was near i must have been 5 8 like at 11 i don't know like i definitely wasn't that little yeah i know neither was i this kid looks like he's like seven (laughs) (laughs) anyways that kid is probably our age by now if he continues to age like he does in the show true but um Arthur Sr. gives an obnoxious pitch about casino starting in America and really just plays that whole division line with Arthur. Mm-hmm. And it, Arthur, being kind of feeble-minded and under the influence of some alcohol here, you know, 
he's going along with his dad's plans per usual. I think he feels kind of like this inferiority complex to Tommy, which, you know, kind of natural, right? Yeah, I mean, when when you're the oldest and you're supposed to be in charge of of business and everything, right? And, and you, yeah. you're not, and you've also like fallen apart with your uh, Flanders Blues and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna want to seek approval anywhere you can get it, right? Yeah. Well, of course, the night couldn't be a normal night with them just exchanging, having some drinks. Uh, I guess Arthur Sr. just had the desire to bare fist brawl his son. And uh, they proceed to beat the shit out of each other and have a, just a very awkward, heartfelt moment at the end of the fight. It's very awkward. It's, it's one of the, uh, the few moments that I felt like I needed to, to cringe or yeah. wince looking at the screen here. It's, it's just a little weird. This is my son, <laughs> Arthur Shelby, and he can fight any of you. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. There's a lot of people I, I wish I could, uh, I could, uh, you know, have a have a fun time with like this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just know when you're having a good old brewski, you just want to beat the hell out of each other. Yeah, right? it happens. I mean. I love you, Dad. <laughs> Thanks for beating the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different, it's a different upbringing. Oh, yeah. it's totally different. I don't get it. All right. So this next scene came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. And in my opinion, perhaps the most intense scene Mm -hmm. of all of season one so far. Uh, And it's when a character named Byrne visits Tommy at the garrison and begins to say things about his cousin Ryan, uh, who visited Tommy earlier with that. uh, Speaking of cringe scenes, the the singing IRA members in the bar a couple of episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Well, um, this guy, apparently that guy was connected, and he wasn't just talking crap under under the whiskey spell. And uh, Burns letting him know that was my cousin. And you get the sense here that this man is like an actual serious adversary to Tommy. Like, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I get the vibe that he's more of a serious adversary than even Campbell is. Like oh, he, the same here. Yeah, like, uh, he's almost equal status with Tommy, in my opinion, in terms of seeing through his BS and pretty much... Yeah, he is the king of the negotiations here because he drives the whole thing his way. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pretty much go back in this verbal subtextual uh, battle, I'd say, where Tommy concedes and has a private sit down with him. Where Byrne essentially, you know, long story short, says that he's going to pass judgment on Tommy for killing his cousin uh, cousin by the way I, I left out the fact that his cousin was actually the ira member that grace shot yeah in the alleyway. That, that was a very important bit i thought you were going to circle yeah. around to it so i was like i'll give him a minute yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i forgot about that which you know makes you wonder does tommy know that grace killed him because i don't think he does um because he why why not just say that you didn't kill him which he does but he doesn't really tommy never when he tells you he didn't do something, he's not going to say it four times that he didn't do it. Yeah. He's going to tell you once he didn't do it, and then he's going to deal with the repercussions of the stupidities that you're going to do yeah. for not believing him. That's true. Right? Very true. So in this back and forth with, um, Burn with Byrne, and Tommy. yeah, he's pretty much just listening to him, and he is really being taken to the ringer here about all the fingers being pointed at him for having the guns. Yeah. And uh, Tommy knows that if he doesn't give this man these guns, he's going to die or this guy's going to bring war on all of them with the, with the full power of the IRA. So he concedes at the end of this conversation that the guns have become a burden to him. 
and it's time that he unloads them, which is by far, I think, the biggest concession Tommy has ever made in a negotiation and a confrontation. I, I completely agree. Uh, although, I mean, he's kind of backed into a corner here, right? He, you have Danny, who's talking too much in the bar. You've got the, mm-hmm. the, the IRA members working at the BSA factory and at the police station all pointing their fingers at Tommy. You, you kind of yeah. don't really have anywhere to go or a lane to stand on at this point, unless you just yeah, want all that if, war. If he would have hung on to his pride here, I think there's a whole different ending to this episode, if you think about it. Perhaps oh, yeah. a blown-up garrison. Um, let me ask you this. What is a water and cordial? You know, I was wondering. I almost looked it up. I think it's it's a cordial. But uh, well, You don't do it. That's why we pay Jimmy. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm, um, I'm asking. Ask Jimmy real quick. Hey, Jimmy, can you please look up what a water and cordial is? Yeah, yeah, sure thing, boss. <laughs> I hear him <laughs> typing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Jimmy, do you have an answer on what a water and cordial is? Uh, so, I mean, generally they're just made up of uh, water and, and a cordial. And that's that That seems to be about it. Uh, he's telling it's me cordial, usually uh, it's carbonated water, but yeah. Cordial has no liquor? Um, what is that? I, I don't know. Jimmy? <laughs> Uh, he's telling me it's it's an invigorating and stimulating preparation that is intended for medical purposes, basically. Oh, wow. So I'm Damn guessing Jimmy, that is a very intense definition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds to me like this is just something, you know, you might mix in for flavor, like basil or some random thing like that. I have no idea. Got it. So Burns doesn't drink alcohol is what I'm getting here. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess not. You can see here where Tommy... You know, he conceded those weapons to uh, to burn. But he immediately does something out of character where he goes to Campbell, mm-hmm. essentially, to kind of help him out and tries to play it both ways. But it's kind of a weak move by Tommy here because, you know, Campbell cannot be trusted. Mm-hmm. So and he's asking Campbell to essentially by turning in burn and, a, and by turning in burn as being a member of the IRA. He's asking to have his name left out that he was involved in it at all, which is not going to happen. No, right? Not at all. Um, Tommy's also at the same time trying to get to the bottom of who gave up Freddie Thorne. Yeah. And Campbell's not going to be stupid enough to say that it was Grace, but we know it was Grace at this point, right, Zach? Uh, I mean, we know it's Grace. Tommy doesn't know it's Grace, but Campbell tells Tommy, well, don't you know? Everybody in the city knows it was you. Yeah. It's kind of just mocking him, right? Yeah. Uh, Arthur continues to take money and take it to his father. And he's just really in a weak spot. But I think you also have to sympathize with Arthur a bit because out of all of the brothers, he would have lived with the father the longest. So perhaps he actually Mm -hmm. had some good times with him, right? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, although I don't think the age gap between Tommy and Arthur is significant. I would have to say it's at least, what, five years? I don't know. You think it's less than that? Because Arthur looks way older than Tommy in my opinion. I mean, Arthur looks older, but I don't think he's that much older. Yeah. Well, if they say Arthur's 25, then uh, I'm done because he looks like he is at least 40 or 38. Disagree? Hmm. I mean, Tommy's technically supposed to be like a 22-year-old kid probably coming back from war, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, we, we know the Peaky Blinders were all young anyways, right? So they can't be that old to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyways. Yeah, well, after his deal with Campbell, you have Tommy hurriedly coming back to the garrison where you have Grace waiting for him there. And he's actually, you can tell Tommy's just in like uh, improvising because he actually asked Grace to take part yeah. in this plan here where <laughs> he's going to have two IRA members come in and once he gives them what they want, he thinks that they're going to turn around and actually kill him. So he wants Grace to be kind of a decoy in order for him to, I guess, to pretty much buy time for the police to come in and ambush them. Yeah. So well, I mean, he, he gives Grace a, to- a gun, right? And he has a little one too. So I just think he wanted to keep keep guns on them so they didn't do anything until the cops showed up. Yeah, yeah. And we see the you know he has a plan with the with the bells tolling that the cops should be coming in, mm-hmm. and uh, as we see how it plays out. You know, some of these plans sometimes, even if they are well planned, which this one is not, it's very hurriedly planned from the way the episode makes you feel. Yeah. Uh, sometimes things go wrong. And um, Burns does show up with his, with his fellow Goonies. singing IRA <laughs> member. Uh, this is the, that's the singer. Now, oh, I don't remember really? the one who got shot. Yeah, that's the one who sings. I don't remember that. Yeah, I forgot I remember, about that. I don't remember him. And he pushes away the whiskey this time, even though. Oh, yeah. Uh, you lost your thirst, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that line when Tommy tells it to him. That's great. Where you have a, an intense negotiation between the two of them where Tommy shares the supposed location of the guns. Mm-hmm. And uh, the singing IRA member hands him a wad of cash, which looks like way too little. It really for does. For a whole arsenal of guns, right? Yeah, it does. I was expecting like a briefcase. Same. <laughs> That's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem like enough. But then again, it's like it's trying to sell like a stolen object. Yeah. Anyways, we have the uh, the IRA member who we know from the previous episode singing, pulling out yeah. you know a little little really wimpy pistol. It probably holds like a couple rounds. Somebody somebody needs to make an edit where uh, <laughs> the IRA member starts singing in the middle of the negotiation, where we do like a, like a kind of cross chop <laughs> of him singing. And everyone kind of just looking awkwardly at him. We need one of those. (laughs) Well, uh, they end up doing exactly what Tommy thinks they would do, and they pull a gun on him after the negotiation. Mm -hmm. And uh, they allow Tommy one final toast, which is a signal to Grace. But instead of Grace coming out and following instructions and pointing the gun at these men. Well, actually, I think she ended up doing the right thing, because I think Tommy dies if she doesn't do this. Uh, She ends up coming out and pointing a gun and shooting the singing IRA member. Yeah. Uh, which leads to Tommy and Burns fighting to the death, where Tommy has like this kind of really well done and well filmed and well edited PTSD episode. Oh yeah, where uh, he he remembers being suffocated in or suffocating somebody in the in the mining shaft mm-hmm. of World War One, and he's essentially just kind of has this primal instinct kicked in where he hits him in the groin and then flips over and bashes his head in with this water jug. Which was, you know, oddly like a satisfying thing because Burns is a smug piece oh, of crap. Oh, I know. Anyways. He's so, like, so cocky. Right? <laughs> yeah. He deserves it. You know, it. Where's, where's Grace here, by the way? Like, I understand that she loses the gun, like it gets hit out of her hand. Uh-huh. But is she really out for the count like that? Like, I come on, Grace. You got to get up. I mean, she's probably yeah. in shock more than anything else. I mean. I think it, it would have been a little anticlimactic for her to take out both guys. Like, yeah, Tommy's got to handle I, one, I, he, right? He's got to take care of one. I mean, she's already killed yeah. two people in the first season. I think she's killed more people than anybody else <laughs> uh, yeah. in this first season. So you know, he's got to yeah. he's got to take one. 
I really do like how this scene was edited with the with the like, flashbacks yeah. to the mining shaft. Like just really well done. It's just not over the top. You know what I mean? It's very yeah. subtle. It is. It it, it they could have made it a lot, a lot more intense. But uh, no, it's good. How about the two headbutts Tommy hits him with, huh? And the first one I get. The second one, I don't know if I'd go in the twice second. for a headbutt. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's sad. I think there's oddly satisfying when you headbutt someone. It's like I am willing to literally pound you with my like a sensitive part yeah. like that I can to get hurt by. It's like yeah. an ultimate dominance yeah. of just like literally bashing someone's head in with your own head. No, it is. It, it's, uh, and it's, it's not a bad technique. <laughs> People are going to uh, think but, of a cycle. But you got to do it this. once, right? You, you can only do it once because you do it to stun them, right? It's a surprise. Yeah. You're not expecting a punch yeah. to come from someone's face. But if you do it again, you might knock yourself out. So, Yeah, yeah I... Yeah, I have. I agree with you. I agree with you. But it, it was satisfying, like the first one. The it second was. one was like, oof. I was afraid he was going to like bash sure. his head on his teeth. I'm like, yeah, oh, you're going to cut yeah, your face open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, after the fight and Burns' skull being bashed on the ground, Tommy has a really heartfelt moment with Grace, which is perhaps like the the scene stealer, the, uh, the episode stealing scene mm-hmm. where he's asking Grace, why did she shoot? Yeah. So you feel like at this point these these two characters are as close as they've ever been. Yeah, they they are. I mean, uh, they, they they both you know have remarks of oh oh you you've seen me oh you've seen me now and, yeah, and yeah. honestly like this is like the pivoting mo- this is moment true, for me with Grace. Right? Really? Yeah, you begin to like her more at this point. Yeah, because she it, it feels like she's putting up less of a facade, um, and, and I don't know the, the character development after this point with her I I just think is is really good. Well, it is really like they've seen each other. I mean, what's more seeing somebody than when they're fight? If you see them fight for survival, exactly. I mean, that's kind of like the most. It's the most animalistic, stripped you know, away bit of you. Yeah, which which yeah, the exactly. copper also says here. <laughs> Looks yeah. like he was killed by well, a wildlife animal. Yeah, and you gotta love the cops here. They show up after everything has been done mm-hmm. for them, and they go and take out the bodies. Like you gotta just love these crooked cops in this show. They're terrific. Oh yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. They're literally outside, by the way. So they obviously heard all the gunshots. Yeah, they they on purpose did not go in there on time. They wanted to see whoever won won because even if Tommy died, that's another headache rid rid of for them. And then they get the IRA members. So it's a two birds with one stone type of situation, right? No matter what happens, they're gonna win something in this situation. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's actually the better scenario for them would have been if the IRA members killed him. I agree. Right? Yeah. And then they also get to arrest the IRA members because then you get the guns because unless he didn't write the right location of the guns there, but you probably would have had them anyways because Grace already knew the location of the graveyard, right? Yeah, but if they killed Tommy, they would have killed Grace from, well, in my opinion. For sure. they Yeah, they would have killed Grace. But if there was no banter, like there should not have been banter, then Tommy should be dead and Grace would have been out there too late. She gets one shot in and then t- she holds Tommy while he dies in her arms. Mm-hmm. This is probably what should have happened if Tommy didn't have any plot armor. Yeah. But uh <laughs> but he does, so it is what it is. And could you imagine the show without Tommy with Arthur leading <laughs> the Peaky Blinders? <laughs> It'd be a short lived yeah. series. We might get the it season two. It, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been re upped. The season dies no. in season one. Oh man. Yeah. The series dies. Anyways, um as that whole scene plays out, Tommy and Grace walk back to their place. The cops clean up the scene. Um, and you can see here, Tommy walks Grace home and I think she's expecting him to come inside and kind of like, I think she was trying to get it on with Tommy, to be honest with you in this scene. 
It's kind of like you share trauma with somebody and you're just like, uh, you, you know, you, all right, you we've seen like each other. Close. Now yeah. I really want to see each other. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just trying to say. Hey, you know, but there's it, a little wink in there. Yeah, but Tommy is actually, uh, he's a decently pure-hearted individual. I know people are going to probably scoff at that. Yeah, but you, <laughs> I you, almost you did. T- <laughs> you, you can tell he's guilt-ridden when he walks her home mm-hmm. because um, he doesn't go inside. And you could just kind of tell that he feels maybe he feels guilty he's defiled her. Yeah. I think, yeah, he feels guilty and he feels kind of like that he defiled this good girl into killing someone, you know? Yeah. Killing someone for him, even worst of all. That's true. In a situation that he probably didn't want to involve her in. If right. only he knew this was the second man she's killed in, like... A couple yeah, months. I, I like when he says I'm sorry and just walks away. And that's just like the the shot. It's just a Yeah. You know what this scene kind of reminds me of? Hmm. But less so because they don't have like a romantic moment here is uh remember Casino Royale, Daniel Craig and mm-hmm. uh I think the actress Ava Green. I think. And um she kills someone for him and she's traumatized by it. Oh she's yeah. In, he the, goes the to the room shower and she's scene. Yeah, she's yeah. in the shower and she's like, I, "It's on my hands. I can't get it off." Yeah. And he starts to like sucker, sucker fingers. Yeah, like, that's kind of like the. <laughs> that was a fantastic. Like, I mean, first and foremost, Casino Royale is the best. It is of it, all the Bond films, um, or at least of Daniel Craig's. Bond I was gonna film, say but maybe yeah. all of them. I'd say maybe all of them for sure. It's up there. It's up there. Name one better. I don't have them all you on the top you tip of my tongue. You can't name one better. Casino Royale is the best of it, all it time is, of all it James It is really, Bond really good. I, Quantum of Solace yeah. is not that great. Casino Royale, I think, is... It's it's definitely... If it's not the best, it's going to be, like, second. Mm-hmm. James Bond is, like, a, an absolute uh, pleasure to watch, especially during Christmas time when you do, like, yeah. a whole marathon. They used to have them on Spike TV. I actually 25 just... 25 Days of Bondsmas or whatever. I just bought all of the James Bonds on... Uh, on Apple TV, so I officially own them all now. Favorite Bond and least favorite Bond, go. Favorite Bond and least, oh, uh, my least favorite Bond is Living Daylights. I freaking hate that one. Who's that? The no, Living... not Bond movie, Bond, like literal Bond actor. Oh, okay, not the movie, the actor. I mean, favorite Bond is, it's between Daniel Craig and Sean Connery, but I think it's going to go to Daniel Craig. Least favorite Bond Oh, God. Who all was there? I mean, there's Sean Connery, Daniel Craig, Pierce Brosnan. Um, Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Timothy Dalton. I think Timothy Dalton was probably one of my least favorites. I would actually have to say Timothy Dalton's in the top three. He's, he was only in one or two Bond films. Right? Let me. Let me... My favorite. I'm going to go with Daniel Craig as my favorite, but it, it was Sean Connery. But. Mm-hmm. Craig revived the series because I really do think Pierce Brosnan was a pretty boy Bond, and uh, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of Pierce Brosnan because of that. Yeah, he was he was more along the lines of like a Roger Moore Bond, who I also didn't like his films. Oh, uh, with Bond. So really, my the Bonds that I enjoy to watch are the Sean Connery and um, and Daniel Craig ones, and Timothy Dalton does have one yeah, as well. But Timothy Dalton um, isn't. Isn't my least favorite. I'm, I just looked up all of you know those who have played uh, him, and my least favorite is is actually between um, David Niven and George Lazenby, and I think George That's Lazenby is right. my least George favorite. George Lazenby was like awful. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely hated that one. I'm sorry. I don't want to like. Only cr- one, I don't know who this guy is, but, but you know, I don't want to absolutely guy. trash him. But I I would have to say Roger Moore. But then again, some people actually do love Roger Moore Bond films. Yeah, so yeah. I, mean, I, I for, yeah, for yeah, me yeah. 
for me, it's it's Daniel Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, and then you know Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan. They're they're, they're kind of tied up for like, me. I, I think I just I, thought I, the Roger Moore bonds were like so cookie cutter. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and and the Sean Connery ones are more rough around the edges. I feel like Daniel Craig kind of just channeled a, a Sean Connery type with his. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Anyways, back to Peaky. Yeah, that was a nice side tangent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After after the whole uh, bar situation with the IRA members and Grace killing the man and Tommy walking her back home, Grace meets with Campbell and asks for her resignation and essentially tries to pull a deal with Campbell where she'll give him the location for the guns if he pretty much gives immunity to Tommy of all crimes that yeah. he has committed with this stolen guns. What's his right? safety, man? Yeah, well, uh, I think Campbell at this point is really onto her as far as like her being in love with Tommy and... Uh, his inferiority complex is raging. It's like bubbling up. He has this, his temple vein is blowing. It's just bulging out of the side of his head. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of Campbell here? I know he's one of your favorites. He even grabs her hand. Uh, he, it, it, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like it. He's way too old for her. First of all, so like, there's this weird, like father daughter dynamic. Think... And then at the same time, he's yeah. like head over heels for her. And the the fact that he knows her well, because he his father this. served with him, right? Like so that adds to it. Like he's more of like a father figure in her life, but he's trying to hook up with her. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about gonna, you, but like it, 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 if if you had a daughter and I wasn't married and we were older, yeah, yeah. Huh? it'd be right. like me trying to hook up with your daughter. This would be a little relax, weird. Bro. Relax. Let me at least hook up with your daughter. <laughs> I don't like. I don't like this flip scenario. <laughs> with you and my daughter. That's weird, bro. It's weird. Let's keep each other's daughters out of this shit. That's fine. Anyway. <laughs> any, any future ones. <laughs> All right, look. Um, I'm actually going to tear apart your argument right here. Okay. Uh, by saying this. If Tommy Shelby and Campbell swapped ages but kept the same personalities, does young Campbell get grace or does old Tommy get grace? You know, I think, I, that, would, I think that would even the playing field a little bit, though. No right. way. Hey, Tommy wins that, man. It's like Pete Campbell versus Don Draper. Like, it's not going <laughs> to end well for Pete. It's true. It's you know? it's true. But the key difference here is... Look, he even has the same man. last name, Pete Campbell. It's is Campbell. It, yeah. <laughs> well, it's Campbell's first name here. Uh, the yeah, the yeah, big yeah. difference is it's just the fact that he acts like such a father figure to her. And it, it, it's that... I don't think, I, I, I don't think I Campbell's his first name, by the way. You know what? I don't think Campbell's his first name. Oh, it's not? I don't know what it is then. I mean, it's, it's Inspector Campbell. Campbell. I don't think it would yeah, be it like might not be his Inspector first name. Might be right. yeah. Maybe this is Pete right. Campbell's, uh, like, great-great-grandfather or something. You imagine? It would make so much sense. Yeah. It would make so much sense. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you get a nice, a neat little montage after this where Campbell uh, bullshittingly uh, agrees to giving Tommy immunity. Yeah. You know that's no good. The moment no. that he says yes to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> the moment he says yes to that, you just know it's BS. Mm-hmm. But uh, we get a montage of Grace singing, Campbell digging out the grave that uh, Grace gave up to him um, with the guns. And by the way, I do not remember those guns being in the grave. I, I do not remember that. I wasn't surprised when I saw it. I, like, I feel like I, I, I knew that all along once I saw them digging it up. We also get a, get a glimpse of Arthur here getting let down. And getting what? Getting let down. I mean, he's just sitting there drinking a beer, waiting for his dad, who never shows up. Yeah. What a. What are the odds of that? That's crazy. All right. 
That's a uh, that's a nice looking gun. It's a little scary yeah. looking. I think that's like an old style uh, Tommy gun or like Gatling gun. Type yeah, it's a, I think it's a Gatling gun. You know, Tommy in this episode really lets himself just fall for Grace. You see like the facial expressions on his face when Grace is singing in the bar. Mm-hmm. It goes from no singing in this bar to standing by the door and kind of just like smiling like that guy when you know you're just hopelessly in love and you're just yeah. smiling you know he sees. just has that look on his face yeah what tommy's doing is the modern day when you look at your phone and you smile at the text type mm-hmm. of thing that's what he's doing here with gracing it in the bar yeah uh can grace sing a happy song by the way i don't think so i don't think it's in her nature it's one of these songs <laughs> we'll see maybe yeah. maybe she does i don't know anyways right now you know we're at a point where where grace ends up meeting campbell at the graveyard when they when they dug up the uh did he find all the, the guns, guns in that grave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they dug out the all guns but one. There was just one missing. Oh, I don't know which one, but one was missing apparently. Interesting, interesting. But anyways, it's here that Grace actually asks for her resignation or gives her resignation because, you know, their mission is complete, as she puts it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They they they've completed what they came here for, and Campbell. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Like a... Fool, who's just completely clueless, proposes to her, and yeah, exactly, in a in the middle of a graveyard. <laughs> in a graveyard, yeah. yeah and, like... and she, she's, <laughs> she turns her down. I didn't she's notice like, that before. He, he has a line here, and he's like, "What is it?" The the the. He, I love he how he right tells here. her, "You deserve better." Yeah, you deserve better. While he proposes to her in a literal cemetery. Yeah, he says something. Is it him between us, or is it the the beast? Uh, that we dug a grave or something like that. Uh, I don't know exactly what he said, but he calls uh, Tommy the beast who dug the grave. Yeah, man. He when he loses it and goes, him. It's you know mm-hmm. not a good look. No, not a good not, look, not really. All right. So we get the sad scene of Arthur going to <laughs> the train station to try to catch up with his father, who is talking to two random women who. Maybe you're ladies of the night, but I think they are dressed with bonnets and stuff like that. They don't look well, like that's it. how you hide. But, uh, yeah, but why would he be talking to anybody who's not a lady of the night? You know, that's true. That's true. That's true. But um, Arthur confronts him for abandoning him again. And his dad really shows his true colors here, which mm-hmm. everyone else can see. But Arthur has to learn He's the hard blind. way, unfortunately. Yeah. Arthur is like the. Um, what's the word I'm trying to say? He's. He's pure of heart right yeah i don't i don't know if i would put it that way he's not because of the acts he's done yeah but think about it he's just a little boy here he's just a little boy here who needs his father that's really all he is yeah and his dad man he hits him with one of those lines where he throws him against the wall and he says i'll cut your throat open and splay you out here on these tracks yeah Damn, bro. Like, <laughs> it's pretty dang that? intense i don't yeah. think i've ever had a conversation that intense yeah <laughs> this year yeah not in the prize ring now. I feel like Conor McGregor might have like, like him. This guy kind of has the you charisma know, that, of Conor McGregor. That's who he reminds me of. Like, like if yeah. he reminded me of anybody else, it's Conor McGregor. 
Yeah, yeah. Does uh, so they pan down with the camera here, and there's like a puddle on the floor. Oh, did oh. Arthur, did Arthur, soil himself here? I don't think he pissed himself. It, it looks like he just walked through it. I mean, it looked more like they were just panning down to the hat potentially, but I don't, know, I don't know. Man. It just I, looked like that think, looked like a lot of liquid. That felt for... like something like deeper there. Like there's like some sort of psychological depth there. With what happened to Arthur? I mean, in this and, this um, scene right here where he's looking at Polly, he does kind of look like somebody who just pissed himself. He he looks like a little boy who's been reprimanded. Yeah. That's what he looks like here. Which he just was. Like, it's literally what just happened. Yeah, he just looks like yeah, somebody got Pauly their ass whipped. He was just abused by his dad, but now he's being, like, reprimanded by the the loving mother mm-hmm. of sorts, right? Yeah. Um, Which, you know, not a great, not great timing <laughs> here to kind of double down on making him feel like shit. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, you want to talk about this really empowered and, uh, uh, righteous speech of Campbell here? Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, we, we cut to, uh, to Campbell talking to the other police officers on the force here. And he's just basically talking about how, you know, they, they got the guns, they, they, they completed this, this mission, right? But there's still one thing that, uh, that that's left unfinished, right? It's Tommy. So mm-hmm. they wanna, he wants to go after Tommy, and he gets he gets pretty uh, violent with his words here, very violent with his words, and uh, and descriptive here. And he ends up ending ending his little speech here with what was it, an amen? He ends it with an amen, like he literally like his speech was like a prayer. Yeah, the whole thing, like like it, as if what he's saying is something that is is so holy and and righteous and correct. And, yeah, uh, emphasizing tr- trying to to you know, portray everything that is the Shelby's as evil and sinful exactly. and dirty yeah. and yeah, yeah. everything. And you get this, um, Tommy goes and visits the grave. I guess it's like a routine of his that they just kind of show in this episode and he realizes that the guns have been taken from him. Mm-hmm. At which point he tells Finn, who's actually walking with him too, that there's going to be trouble. Yeah. And um, he tells him to go take care of himself. Well, cut uh, Meanwhile, Arthur, Arthur goes and visits, uh, yeah, he goes and visits the same fight ring that the episode starts at. But he shows up at closing hours, and nobody wants to fight him, and yeah. they kind of make a fool of him. Arthur's having one of the worst days of life here, and uh, it gets even worse after this. Yeah, as they go to a wide shot and kind of implicate what's about to happen yeah. with the rafters above him. Right? There's there's three men that were here anyways. It was the, it was the one big fat guy that he tried that they were gonna try and uh, get a light or make make him pay a license for this uh, fighting ring. He's one of them. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. no, they just walk away. It, it, it's it's pathetic. Yeah. Well, um, he's having a kind of pathetic type of day. So he's not really, <laughs> he has given up at this point in some ways. Right. And that was kind of like a way to regain his uh, pride in himself in some mm-hmm. ways was to go fight, which kind of explains a lot of his violent side in a way. Uh, meanwhile, the kind of the day has flown past here. It's nighttime. Tommy is, uh, back at the garrison, and he tells Grace to that he has to lay low for a while. Mm-hmm. You do get a sense this is like, yeah, Tommy's not going back here with uh, Grace. This is, well, you know, full steam ahead. And uh, he even takes time on the night where the whole police force is after him to give her a message. And yeah. uh, he gets away at the nick of time. And uh, at which point Campbell comes in trying to do his little victory lap over Tommy, and he gets the news that. Um, he probably went with Grace to her apartment, which kind of baffles me because Campbell calls off the search here yeah. for Tommy. And um, 
I don't know why. If he wants to humiliate and get Tommy and, you know, get pretty much spite Grace, then what he would do is really send the police force to Grace's house, wouldn't he? You see, I think the thing is, he still loves her. So mm-hmm. if they were, if the police were to show up there, she's probably going to get hurt, right? And yeah. and she's going to see the evil side of him, right? Yeah. Firsthand. Yeah. Like, like I don't think yeah, he wants she that. Does... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I still don't get it, though, because at this point, Grace is not going to get with him. And he, everyone will know. She'll, she knows at this point that he went back on his word, right? So she already he. knows that he's not a man of, of honor for doing that. Uh, Finn is just the most random character ever, man. He's he's always where he should not be for the most part. It's true. And uh, he cannot be 11. That's just, I do not remember 11-year-olds looking that tiny. What did you think of that uh, dragging the gun across the bar counter uh, move from Campbell there? It's a little weird. I mean... It wasn't even also that cap- intimidating. It was kind of just like to get people's attention. Also, your lead inspector putting a gun at the local barkeep's head for information. Talk about a... And he's leaving an imprint of the barrel on the guy's head. <laughs> yeah, for real. Talk about like a nice guy to have in charge, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, he calls off the search. I still don't agree with it necessarily based on his current character. I just think that it's kind of like a... It was needed for Tommy and Grace to have their moment, which occurs uh, very soon after. Which I guess Campbell needs to witness, like a little creep in the streets, seeing Tommy and Grace hook up and yeah. have uh, probably their their sweetest moment after their <laughs> after their encounter with the IRA earlier <laughs> in this episode, right? Yeah, I, I wrote down that that we have uh, Campbell looking like a peeping Tom. <laughs> yeah, he's looking this. through the <laughs> he's looking through the curtains, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he's down in like the alleyway, but he's looking up into the room through the uh, through the curtains. Yeah, so you can see some shadows tell, and movement and stuff. You can tell the writer of the show really likes to write for Tommy because he does have some great lines where he oh, even yeah. says like, "People look different in their homes; they look off guard." Like that's a good line, and it's actually it just—it's so true. It's it just so true to see someone in their home or to see someone outside of work is such a different look for them, right? Mm-hmm. Very you really much see so. kind of you see that who they are. When you see them at home. Yeah. So um, at this point, they're kind of beating around the bush because he's being a gentleman and they're being kind of coy. Maybe they don't think it's a good idea, uh, but they both are just irresistibly attracted to each other. Yeah, you can feel the heat and, in the room here. And, and they make sweet love. Sweet love. <laughs> do they actually dance to music? Or, yeah, they do. Uh, they, they dance, dance to music. Nothing? Well, no, he asked if the she had a gramophone, but it's broken. But he's like, I, I don't need music to dance. So he asks yeah. her to dance and, you know, they, they dance and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's stuff. Well, like you that, get the right? the whole montage here, and the whole episode's going really nicely here because the search is off. There's no more danger to Tommy at this point mm-hmm. that we can see of at this point. Yeah. And um, after they're, you know, the next uh, morning after, <sighs> you get all right. In my opinion, the culmination of everything that's been leading up to this episode, yeah. or bubbling up in this episode which is grace is kind of that piece tommy has been looking for mm-hmm. he he admits that he doesn't hear the shovels against the wall which is and he's smiling i haven't seen tommy smile this yeah, much is, all season it is almost one of, it's one of the first memorable smiles you've seen yeah yeah he's smi- he's smiling all over this episode yeah so grace has got him on cloud nine but he essentially this to me is like tommy's proposal to grace mm-hmm. he wants her like her help with with life everything yeah so um and you can see in her eyes she's conflicted because she's pretty much betrayed him in some ways, right? Yeah. 
But she doesn't meet him unless she's betraying him. So True. She's got some she has some confrontations that are gonna be needed to <laughs> she, be quelled. She's gonna have to come clean about something here. Yeah, exactly. Uh well, as we know on Peaky, uh things tend to have a dark a dark turn in some ways and so while they're making love, the symbol of making life, Arthur's actually trying to take his own life. Yeah. And he's in the same fighting ring he fought his father and pretty much giving up the fight by taking the fighter's stool, the boxer's stool. Mm-hmm. A lot of symbolism here. He's taking the fighter's stool, hanging up his boots, and uh, tries to hang himself on the rafter, or actually on the hook here on the rafter. Yeah. But um, one thing I remember in this scene, because this is probably my third time watching this episode um, in general mm-hmm. throughout my course of watching Peaky Blinders, I don't remember this scene being as hopeful as it was. Did you catch that? What do you mean as hopeful as it was? I mean, it was very depressing, but at the same time, the music, because it's a failed suicide attempt when the, when the rope snaps on the hook. Yeah. And I, I remember when I watched this the first time, I was like, no, because Arthur's, you know, clearly the second favorite oh, yeah, in the he, show, he, right? He's great. In here. Absolutely. <coughs> yeah, I know. I was, I was kind of bummed yeah. when, when I started seeing this the first time as well. But yes. no, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't think anything uplifting of it, right? Like it. It just you never notice you never notice I'm gonna rewind that because we actually do the way we do these episodes is me and Zach watch the episodes beforehand and then we play it live while we're actually doing these recaps yeah but listen closely Zach I'm actually gonna put the volume up a bit here All right, so ahead. you can hear the music for 10 seconds prior mm-hmm. and see what I'm talking about uplifting because it's kind of like a Mumford and Sons type of vibe yeah, to the song yeah and um, you hear this this heavy kind of like lower note on the on the guitar that's very uplifting. When the rope snaps, it's like a second chance of life for Arthur. Mm. I'm just going to play it. All right. When he hits the floor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You do hear it. It's kind of like hitting the low note on a piano. Yeah. Uh huh. It gets uplifting after that. It's not heavy and somber up at that point. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I wasn't trying to analyze it as much the first time. It was more just kind of in the fact that he's going to kill himself. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, but, you yeah. know, it also feels like kind of some divine intervention too, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's the because uh, that rope was pretty thick. It was. It didn't thick. feel like that was the kind of rope to, no, to snap. No, like heavy looking jump rope or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the one of the final things you see in this episode is like this nice sunlight hitting Grace and our uh, and Tommy. Mm-hmm. And um, Campbell's making a telegram to Churchill telling him he's going to leave town. Mission's been accomplished, but uh, he's got one more matter to attend to, which is, you would assume, taking down Tommy. Yeah, right. that's that's what I would expect. Yeah. Tommy eventually finds out that Arthur tried to hang himself and has a moment of just uh, cheering up his brother, really, and uh, opens it up with the line you would expect where he says, you should have used a gun. it's great you you gotta love this i mean tommy tommy walks in and he's making fun of arthur because he tried to kill himself and Mm -hmm. he's like oh you're always trying to screw things up when things are getting good should have used a gun yeah and it shows him uh, he tells him yeah he tells him how things are getting good too i mean yeah he has made the business officially uh in paper in writing business where him john and arthur are equal equal partners in shelby company limited Mm-hmm. right by law but he makes another joke he says hey but next time if you're gonna try to kill yourself again use a gun because me and john would be more than happy to split your share with each other mm-hmm. 
right? Absolutely. Um, I was going to say something here in this in this scene. Uh, Tommy, in his own way, knows how to cheer up his brothers. I mean, it's not going to be like a coddling, why'd you do that? Yeah, exactly. You know, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And Polly, with all of her resentment of Tommy, at the end of the day, knows the family moves by Tommy. Mm-hmm. That's it. And so she tells him about his brother who tried to kill himself because ultimately when you want stuff done in the shelby family you call tommy shelby that's what you call of course you call him even if you think he betrayed freddie thorne you call tommy (laughs) right well you get this really upbeat ending to this episode because tommy's under the impression that campbell's leaving town and it's pretty much roads are clear for them to elevate in the world Mm what do you think of this transition here i really like this shot that transitions out from arthur and and Tommy, Polly's coming down the stairs, and you get probably the most upbeat, optimistic little ending montage yeah. of uh, of the Shelby Family Company Limited here. Mm-hmm. There's a like bright light coming in from every window. Tommy's reading the newspaper in peace. Uh, everyone's counting money. It's flowing in on the tables. Yeah, and uh, it's legitimate. And it business. ends. Yeah, it's legitimate business. And he's reading the newspaper like a legitimate businessman. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he's just. Pretty much looking on with pride yeah. at his company. The scene before is before he walks out into the light. It's also a lot brighter. Like it's a lot cleaner. You know, you have this a massive amount of sunlight leaking in through the window. Yeah. Uh huh. So, I mean, it, like it's, it's foggy as crap in here, but it almost feels like a dream, yeah. right? The way it is, it's just so bright and smoky in the room. Yeah. Tommy's smiling again. The probably the biggest smile of the episode so far. Yeah. So you got that morning after with Pops Grace, Grace Energy yeah. going on right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finn's coming in with money in the hat. Even Finn's raking in the cash. Everything's good in peaky land. And this sun is just blaring through the doors as yeah. Tommy walks out into the light and end Fade of episode white. five. Yeah, it was, uh, it's interesting. You know, we get this nice bright shot to end it out with. Well, Director of this episode was Tom Harper. Tom Harper. Which we should keep a... A look out for him mm-hmm. as uh we would have a what was it gonna say a look into what kind of episodes he directs and how those are because yeah. if you notice in tv shows it's never the same director for each episode mm-hmm. and uh it's one of those things where you tend to like certain directors when you see their name on the on it you're like oh yeah it's tom harper yeah you know, like, i love his episodes exactly well Anyways, that was a much better episode than I recall. Yeah. But uh, favorite... Uh, Hit us with the categories. What'd you say? Hit us with the categories. Uh, uh, I, I got to drink some water here. I am. So I'm gonna, I'll bring them up right now. First, uh, starting out is best scene. I have two written down. I have okay. a feeling they're going to overlap based down. on the way you were talking earlier on. I've got three. All right. I've got three written down. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. You go first. I think uh, there's several really great scenes in this episode. Mm -hmm. I think the first encounter with Byrne um, is a great scene. I think the actual showdown with the IRA members and that moment with Grace and Tommy Mm -hmm. of you've seen me. That scene is great. I think uh, Grace and Tommy uh, finally uh, getting together was great. And uh, I also liked Tommy talking to Arthur after his failed suicide attempt Mm -hmm. as as my final favorite scene of the episode that, that is a good third one yeah i mean the two that i wrote down was basically you know burn confronting tommy he just he kind of stole the shot stole the scene uh-huh. and then you know finally 
he's not a character you want to around long, but uh, I also like the, the battle with uh, Grace and Tommy versus the two IRA men, Bird and, and the, uh, yeah. the singer that's lost his thirst. I was a little disappointed that Byrne was killed off so fast because he had such potential to be a good adversary to Tommy that it, it felt um, – it's not that it, it did feel right that he died, but that one encounter, I had I would have to assume – got to look up that actor, if Jimmy can – if you can look that up for us. Because um, hmm. I would imagine that just based off of those couple of scenes that he went on to making some really great work or he got some really good roles after this. We don't have to, Jimmy. Don't. We'll find out next episode. We'll, we'll find out. Oh, I mean, uh, he, he just told me. He's telling me right oh, now. Yeah, the name of of the actor is Tom Vahan Lawler. Lawler. Okay. What, what kind like of that. what has he done since being in Peaky? Uh, let me, let me see. What what was that? Um, what, like, okay. what has he been in since being in Peaky? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds like he's he's been in Avengers, uh, Infinity War, Endgame. Movie called The Infiltrator, Danny Boy, uh, a few things. Hold on, say that again. Say that again. Uh, Avengers, Infinity okay, War, that's huge. and Endgame. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's huge. The Infiltrator. That's huge. As Brian Cranston. And um, he was in Danny Boy, which is Danny Boy doesn't sound familiar. It's a TV movie. It's a TV movie. It's it's really recent. Let's see. Going down the list. Uh, that's that's about all the big ones that he's been on. Honestly, he hasn't been in a lot else. Not even before, before Peaky. I mean, he's only been in a few things. Like, maybe he's uh, more of a of a um of a theater actor. Maybe. Yeah, he might be. He might be. You know, Cillian Murphy does a lot of, uh, or he was doing a lot of. I think he does theater acting as well. Interesting. He's a real. He's a real thespian. Interesting. Cillian Murphy, big time. <laughs> He's actually going to be the lead in uh, Christopher. I don't know if you've talked about this, but he's going to be the lead in uh, Nolan's new film about uh, Oppenheimer. He's actually playing the lead there. I and, think I've um, heard about that. It's the biggest budget film ever, I think. Dang. Ever. And um, should be incredible. He's always been in Nolan films, but uh, he's always played a supporting actor. <laughs> and uh, for the most part, and not the leads. So it's And I always found that interesting because... I think what Peaky Blinders did for Cillian Murphy was I think it put him in the in the leading man light again because he literally carries Peaky Blinders. Yeah. And uh it shows that he is a top notch actor. Like he is up there with anybody out there right now. Anybody. Mm-hmm. And um he's serious about his craft. Like he's like legit no you never hear about some you know, BS with Cillian Murphy. He just loves acting. He doesn't care for the fame. I think that comes. No, with he it. doesn't. He hates like, social media. I mean, I, yeah. I hear him on interviews all the time talking about that. He's like, uh, yeah. make yourself sound boring so people don't don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's one way to do it. So, altogether, I take back everything I said about episode five. Excellent episode. One of the best of the season, if not the best of the season. And I think really just my distaste for their father kind of overruled the actual episode being great. I agree. Yeah. Last uh, last question I have or category is you know most memorable characters. I actually have three written down on this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are yours? I didn't write down most memorable like or who stole the show type of character mm-hmm. in in this episode, but I would have to say it's the IRA members mm. 
who stole the show because they just came out of nowhere and really left an imprint, specifically yeah. Burn. Yeah. So I'm going to go with them on, on my answer. So the, the three that I wrote down was was Arthur, just because, I mean, again, like this was an episode where we, where we got to see some character development with him and, you know, him meeting his dad, like this this whole dynamic that was pretty weird, but, you know, it, it's interesting to see. Um, Grace, because, you know, the, like okay. this, this yeah. is this good, is a pivotal point. moment for Grace, I, I think, in my opinion, at least. And then the obvious, the IRA man, uh, Burn in the garrison. Yeah, I, you know, funny thing with Arthur in this episode is like, you see Tommy has to overcome certain things in his life, right? Where Campbell is a, a literal, physical, personable obstacle towards his goals. Mm-hmm. And he overcomes that in this episode for the most part. Yeah. Arthur has to overcome his relationship in, with his father, and he overcomes that in this episode. Yeah. Not by his own making, because if he had his own making, he'd be dead. Yep. But he seems like his life's on an upward path now with having that second chance. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the season finale on our next episode and uh, getting into season two because we got four more seasons to catch up before, uh, before uh, the new season. I don't think we're going to catch up before the new season, but I think, I don't uh, think, so I think either, we'll make but, decent uh, headway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, Zach, you're the outro king, so hit us. I am the outro king. Well, anyways, thank you for listening to episode five of season one of the Peaky Blinders podcast by Story Archives. Uh, You can find this podcast basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can probably find us other places, but those are the main ones. You can visit a website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com. We also have an Instagram handle story archives uh rightfully named um and then you know we also have uh the midnightexchange.com which is the website of our uh podcast network so you can you can go look them up there's a whole bunch of social media handles there there's a a podcast there as well you can listen to uh but if you if you happen to have any suggestions thoughts or again maybe you want to be a uh, a special guest on here you want to do a bonus episode or maybe you're a domain expert in something here a historian i, I don't know uh drop us an email at podcast at the midnight exchange.com and you know we'd, we'd love to to have you on i, I love it. it thank you guys for tuning in once again and until next time stay peaky